Welcome everyone to another edition of Flyover Footies Flyover Fallout. This game we're looking at today coming from St. Louis City against the Portland Timbers. And oof, what a game it was. I'm joined here as usual by Santiago Beltran. Santi, how are you today? Doing great, Matt. It's a new new week, a new month, and new challenges for, for CDSC after a rough month. Probably the best way to look at it, for sure. And before we turn the page to FC Dallas and into the month of May, let's close out April a bit by looking back at what happened in that Portland Timbers match at City Park this past Saturday. So we'll start by the starting 11. We ran yet another look in our starting 11. This one more so by necessity, I would say, with Klaus being out um, presumably for hopefully a second to last game injured. The lineup we ran out was a 4-2-3-1, had Berkey and Nett, Nelson, Hebert, Parker, Nerwinski as our back line, Miguel Perez, Indy Vasilev in the midfield. We ran Jared Stroud, Edward Leuven, Rasmus Alm up front with Nico Giochini as our lone striker. And it was interesting with this because right before the game, it looked like Indiana Vasilev was listed as an attacker. So we kind of were speculating before this match what kind of a new look we might see. But it turned out to be a little bit more of what we were used to this time with Nico as the lone striker, though. So, Santi, let's look at the highlights of the match. Let's give everybody a picture of the big things that occurred. So... There wasn't a whole lot of positivity to take away from St. Louis in this one, to be honest. And I think that was what uh, that was that was probably the thing we struggled with the most at the end is that there was a lot to learn, but there wasn't a lot to take away from a positive aspect. The the game in the first half felt like it was controlled more or less by St. Louis, and and whether that's a good thing or not is up for debate. We possessed the ball quite a bit, definitely more than we normally did. We ended up the first half over a fifty percent possession rate. But we didn't have any shots on goal. We had a few opportunities. They had a lot more opportunities, but nobody really came close to to really threatening too much. You know, if you look at the stats we'll get into a little later, the XGs were very minuscule in that first half. And so going into the second half, you look to what kind of adjustments are going to be made. And it wasn't until the 63rd minute, which was after one of City's first subs, uh, Tomas Ostrak came in for Miguel Perez at 55 minutes that Portland was able to get on the board with a PK, and we'll dig into the PK in just a minute, but the way that that play developed, I think, is is worth noting as it was more or less weather-based. If you remember, there was a goal kick that occurred right before that, and the ball kind of shot up in the air and just did not move. It, it was pushed back, and if you look at the replay on that, the way I interpreted it was that this, this goal ended up being reminiscent of the Yimichara second goal in that it was a very quick buildup by Portland, necessitated by the fact that St. Louis had prepared for a goal kick deep, and we pressed higher as that goal kick failed. So when the ball was actually received by Portland in their own defensive third, we pushed higher, and that allowed them to create space and move the ball quickly through our midfield, playing it over to, uh, well, what ended up being a handball situation in the box, as Johnny Nelson unfortunately was called for a handball it looked like he slipped or lost traction once they got the ball in there. He came down, and I think it was his left hand that actually touched the ball, supposedly. Uh, there was a, an, a nice still image that that Will Bramlett, one of the St. Louis City photographers, had. And it looked like if, if that was to be taken at face value, it looked like that's where the ball touched his hand, albeit briefly, because replays were far from conclusive. And I know I had been uh, very much a proponent of VAR going to the head official and pulling him aside to have him take a look at it himself 
because live and even the feeds they were showing on the broadcast were far from conclusive. This one really seemed like it went back to what the primary call was on the pitch, which was unfortunately for us handball leading to Evander burying that PK. So Matt, I had never seen uh, in terms of weather, things like that, where the ball is in the air and then goes back so much. That was yeah. something I had never the stadium. And, and yeah, definitely had some impact on some of the plays, but Portland uh, took advantage of that uh, with some of the space St. Louis gave them when they came out to press. They sure did. And and that was that that was, I think, notable because the weather had just started moments before that. Really, the rain and the wind kicked into high gear. I made a joke during the game that the Portland somehow got the Pacific Northwest weather conjured up to give them an advantage. But whatever the whatever the end result was being a goal there, St. Louis seemed like they leveraged some subs after this. So the goal was the PK was scored at 63 minutes. Um, Yimmy Chara and Nizgoda for Portland entered the game at 64, which gave them what would end up being the spark that they needed to finish it off. But before we were, before we scored our first goal, we had some significant subs as Celio Pompeo and Aziel Jackson entered for Nico Giochini and Jared Stroud, completely changing up the way our attacking uh, look proceeded from there on. And to me, that was the biggest difference maker. If you remember back to the U.S. Open Cup, one of the most exciting things that occurred were Aziel Jackson and Tomas Ostrak's work in and around the box and Celio Pompeo's ability to facilitate and finish, similar to what we see from Klaus a lot in uh, in previous games. So to have all three of them in the game at, at one time made it more so where we weren't, from what I could see, crossing the ball in and hoping to find a player free in the box. We weren't uh, trying to have a lone striker hold up play the way Klaus usually does. We were more creative and I would say nimble in our attacking third because the goal that was scored in 79 minutes by Celio Pompeu had Tomas Ostrak starting on the left side of the box. And by the end of it, when Rasmus Alm had received the ball on the right, about 30 yards out, he played Tomas Ostrak to the right side of the box into the far end of that 18-yard box on the right side. Ostrak was able to draw in a few defenders to him, and he was able to find a quick mini cross over to Celio Pompeu for a little chip shot in to even the score. The most exciting thing is the amount of space that we were able to create by being uh, just quick in the box and, and not having any kind of you know set design play where we were sending it in from our fullbacks or trying to find the long ball. It was... It was a quickly developed play, but it was, I think, facilitated by the fast movements of, in this case, Ostrak and Pompeo. Yeah, and definitely those substitutions um, changed things for St. Louis. Before before that, uh, as you were alluding to, St. Louis was using uh, long balls and crosses too much, but uh, it proved that with, Nico, just, with just Nico Joachini, there, a lot of those crosses didn't really have anywhere to go, didn't have a, a recipient. So um, with these changes, St. Louis was able to, to move the ball a little bit more. I was actually, when the starting lineup came out, I was wondering why don't we have two up front, maybe uh, Celio or Jackson, but just thinking about it, like Celio played 90 minutes uh, on Tuesday. Jackson played 76, so probably that had something yep. to do with it. Uh, maybe we will see something different this Saturday against FC Dallas. 
but but yeah definitely changed the game changed the way st louis attack and was able to create a space and it looked like st louis was going to turn things around and and maybe get a win but things changed really quickly with one of the subs uh, portland had yeah it really did and again facilitated by a goal kick that portland had this time in the 82nd minute going the goal kick went to santiago moreno and it was a longer goal kick this time weather wasn't a factor on this one but when the goal kick landed it was very much an aerial duel between moreno and indiana vasilev and in, there was a there was an article that was on MLSsoccer.com today by Matthew Doyle that referenced 50-50 uh, duels that, that played a factor in St. Louis's uh, downfall, more or less. And this was that to a T, where the aerial duel between Moreno and Vasilev was won by Portland. It had Jake Nerwinski and Indy both trying to collapse on the ball. Moreno and Niasgoda, again, a sub for Portland, fought to control it. Moreno ended up winning it. And as he as he made his run from the left side to the middle, our defense was very much in transition. They had not expected to, to I think, turn the ball over or to lose control of the ball. And when Moreno quickly moved up, this, this wasn't a, a fast movement by passing. This was just Santiago Moreno moving the ball quickly. When he did that, it seemed like Edward Leuven tried to, tried to make a run from behind and our defense kind of gave space as Leuven was approaching. And when, when that didn't work, Moreno got a ball quickly over to Yimmy Chara. And, and when Yimmy Chara got the ball, it wasn't anything that Berkey, I think, was expecting. On the call, they mentioned how Berkey was probably expecting Chara to play the ball a little bit. And so that's why Berkey was collapsing on the near post, where Chara one-timed it to the far post, past Parker, Hebert, and Nelson as nobody was really set. And it kind of showed a, a continued vulnerability in our transition defense after we lose those 50-50 balls. Berkey was probably expecting him to uh, maybe stop, take a step, but uh, he shot it right away and it went to a place where Berkey couldn't get to. But um, it was his first game back from injury. So obviously he showed the quality that he has, um, that he gives to Portland and um, great, great And that was basically for City kept trying, trying, but there weren't really any like clear chances to to score. Although there was that maybe penalty that wasn't given, um, but aside from that, um, City, City was there. Cases. Uh, you mean the Jared Stroud penalty? Is that the one you're you're referencing where he kind of got a shove <laughs> in the back? <laughs> no, that no, not that one. The the, the handball oh. that um, I guess it was oh, the, the handball with that uh, yeah, at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but, so multiple. Uh, I mean, and honestly, Santi, that that brings up the the referee's role in the game. And I think Bradley Carnell said it flatly at the end, where if you're worried about the referee at the end of the game, you've you've gone off of your principles. You've you've messed up a little bit to your own game plan. So the 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 buck can never stop purely on the referee. I think something had to have occurred that led us to be in a position where we're, we're relying on those close calls to go our way. And end of the day, whether it's a shove in the back to Stroud or whether it's Akio Watts uh, going to be receiving a ball or AZL Jackson receiving a ball that that was handball in the box, you know, those kinds of things. It The game was not well played and well stuck to our principles by St. Louis City. Uh, stats really back this one up 
as we had we had over 50% of the possession. That's not St. Louis' style. We only had one shot on goal with seven overall shots. Portland had seven shots on goal with 15 overall shots. We led in passes. The, the biggest two that really stand out to me on the stats front is we lost the duel battle and we lost the tackle battle. 47 duels were won by St. Louis. 57 duels were won by Portland. And when you're when you're having balls in these 50-50 positions or you're, you're having um, – attackers come at you from St. Louis city's perspective and you can't win these duels or you're allowing Portland to dispossess you uh, so regularly and win these aerial duels, especially that's that, that won't enable the kind of offense the city needs because the quick buildup that we have is so often facilitated by winning these battles. When we're not winning these battles, we're not defending well in transition and they're able to, like you saw in both of those goals, get in behind us quickly, whether it's, through the midfield or through the midfield in the their attacking third. And then that last piece about the tackles, you know, five St. Louis tackles against nine from Portland. Uh, the, the physicality just wasn't there in a clean manner. And, and we weren't able to, we weren't able to have success on the ball like we usually do. So Santi, where do you kind of want to go with some of these stats, whether it's possession shots or duels, tackles? The tackles definitely. Portland was more physical than St. Louis, and Carnell said it during the press conference. Portland won, won that physical battle, and um, they outplayed St. Louis. He wasn't happy about what the team um, did in terms of that winning that physical battle with Portland. And yeah, a lot, lot of things to, lots of things to correct for the team. But uh, Portland, um, I, I don't want people to think, oh, we lost to a team that's at the bottom of the table. Mm-hmm. Portland, um, when we when City played them a few weeks ago, Portland had a lot of players injured. For this game, they had Chara back. They also had Ajala, but he he got injured and, and subbed um, earlier in the game. Also, Evander, who started this game, he didn't start the first game, and he came in, and then he was subbed out again because he wasn't uh, at 100%. But... Uh, it looks like he's now at a hundred percent and he, he was also uh, doing some damage uh, when Portland was attacking. So, so it's a different team and people shouldn't think about, Oh, we beat them away. Why is it so difficult to, to beat them at home? It doesn't really work that way. Even though this was like a, this was also a rare occurrence um, that you play the same team within a few weeks so usually um, usually you see that team again second half of the season but um yeah didn't go see this way lots of things to um improve but um I, the team is still second on the table and Klaus will eventually be back and probably there will be a different look on Saturday in terms of uh, who's going to be up front you figure it would have to be and in this kind of uh, as as it closes out April and it closes out kind of a more, uh, I don't know, poor run of form, realistic, down to earth run of form. After we started off five and zero, we were one three and one with three losses in the last five matches. Uh, but I, I kind of see this as a symptom of our depth to an extent. And and we know that Blome's been out for a while. Nilsson's been out this whole season. Klaus being out has, at least in this match, really caused us to try some try some almost try some of the similar things with different personnel and seeing how that 
isn't quite possible based on player strengths and and where what players do best on the field. We know Nico Joachini has spoken before about how he loves to be in that dual nine or play that second nine or underneath striker role, basically working off of somebody up top in the box. And we've seen recently how uh, Celio Pompeu, we mentioned earlier, Pompeu, Aziel Jackson, and Tomas Ostrak really caused some change into this game. So it will be interesting having going off of a, another full week's worth of rest and probably being without Klaus at least one more week, how we're able to, or what kind of look rather we, we will go with. Carnell had some interesting things to say about the subs that lead me to believe that the, the positive thing to take away from this is going to be guys like Ostrak and Celia Pompeu, Aziel Jackson. He says, we found a way back in the game and thought, yeah, the guys did well who came on. Tomas Ostrak notably has been looking for a bit of game time as well as Celio. So, you know, in terms of positives, I would say that's about the only positives from a gloomy night. And he went on to say, so when Tomas comes in, you see the way he sets up the goal. His first movement behind the lines, we exploit space. It's a cutback. It's a tap in. And that's the sort of movements that we were looking for. Unfortunately, we couldn't exploit that as best we could. But he, he said, I thought we tried to solve things a little bit too stat- statistically tonight. And that kind of statistically comment um, was really highlighted to me by the creativity that Ostrak, Pompeo, and Jackson brought to the table there in the second half, um, knowing that they they had a lot more fluidity and, and some of the similar fluidity that we saw in the U.S. Open Cup, where Jackson slotted in on the right-hand side, but so often, it, in fact, at the goal, he ended up on the left-hand side of the box when Ostrak was cutting across to the right. So the players are properly positioning themselves even when you have a guy like Tomas Ostrak going ham in the box, trying to create any space he can based off who has the ball and where, because it was one of the more revealing things to me that uh, after the ball was in the box before our goal and it was kicked out to Alm, Ostrak almost as second nature realized what he needed to be doing to create the kind of run that Alm could then pass the ball to and facilitate. It's that exciting moment because we he's Carnell's spot on. We were not able to capitalize on that or keep it going and use it as a, a to turn the tide, so to speak. Portland quickly got back their second goal. But using that as how we can run our offense without Klaus, um, it's not necessarily saying that Nico Giochini isn't going to be in the game or, or we wouldn't expect him to start because I fully expect Nico Giochini to start. But what I am saying is that you can either use a guy like Celio Pompeu up up top next to him, or you could use a combination of Alm, Pompeu, Ostrak to, to create more of this fluid movement uh, when you're not trying to target a Nico Joachini up top or use Joachini to hold up play in the traditional Klaus way that we've been successful so far. It will be an adjustment that we can learn, but I do think we can learn a lot from uh, not just what wasn't successful in this match, but what, what was. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Nico Joachini out there as a Soul number nine didn't work out. He does better when he has a partner and the team will probably, and as you said, we'll probably see him again, but the team will probably pair him up with someone like Celio or um, Jackson or even Ostrak. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think this is one of those games, oh, Nico didn't work, so he's gonna, he's not gonna start. I think the next step is trying something else with, with two, call it two strikers or two false nines but yeah something is going to change and and the thing is going to have a different look against Dallas but I think it's going to include Nico Joachini completely agree 100 and and playing off of that one of the interesting things was 
was said by Carnell in regards to Edu Leuven. So Leuven in this game played the 10. He was given a lot more attacking freedom with Vasilev and Perez in the midfield, at least until the subs came on, because eventually Leuven did drop back uh, when you had Ostrak and Pompeo and Jackson in the game. But when Leuven was up top, Carnell referred to him after the match almost like moving high enough to where he would be a second striker with Joachini, something we haven't seen Leuven do as much before. That may have played into one reason why our midfield was so seemingly vulnerable and able to be played through so much because Leuven, his focus was so much on the attack, so much so that he was in the attacking third with Joachini a lot of the times. And Carnell had some interesting things to say about what Leuven's role and responsibility was. He said... Edu plays with a lot of freedom of the moment, sore, uh, kind of he's flexible. He said his, in his approach and he looks to create space or he looks to exploit space that the opponent gives him. Obviously, he's a targeted man. People know where he's going to pop up, so he tries to find some space. So, yeah, I think he did a good job in the first half trying to find that space. We looked dangerous. And then he said, what are the follow-up actions? Where is the movement off the ball? Where is the final running off the ball, the movement? So we're going to look at that in the final third. And I can't help but remember so many opportunities that Leuven had with the ball where he was trying to play make with the ball in the box and he didn't have anybody to really facilitate to. Uh, and, and that speaks to the kind of disappearing act that Joe Kenny played in portions of the game where he couldn't find space. He couldn't get free. And oftentimes to me, it presented itself where Leuven had the ball in the attacking third. We were, we were not looking to send the ball. We were not looking to uh, kick through balls in transition, it was more of a possession, but not not quite a possession. You know what I mean? It wasn't us possessing the ball in the final third, but it was after getting quickly to the final third, it was Leuven had the ball. He was going 1v1 or 1v2, and he needed somebody to facilitate to, and Joe Keeney wasn't there, po- possibly because that's just not how Joe Keeney was used to a player facilitating to him. He's not used to having Leuven next to him. He's used to having Klaus next to him. And so – it, it, Jared Stroud uh, didn't have a lot of success at finding the ball from Leuven either. It just didn't seem like we were syncing up well. Um, and it's not a not a, to discount the work that Leuven was doing as the 10 because the work in, in and of itself was strong. He was very capable and uh, handling of the ball very well. It was more so that in conjunction with everything else we were expecting or our players were expecting or used to. Uh, in in getting the ball and whether that's something that we're going to look to practice more or train more on this week and become a little more fundamental with or it's pivoting back to dropping Leuven back and like you were saying allowing a Pompeo a Jackson or an Ostrak to take uh, a spot alongside Joachini you know those are those are a lot of different and interesting ways that we can take our failures to an extent from this game and learn from them because this FC Dallas, and we'll talk about FC Dallas in this uh, upcoming pod when we preview them, but they're very much a mid-to-low block team. They're going to try and and drop down like a Minnesota was and to, to not allow space. And so when you don't have that space in the box and you have to rely on transitions, what how, how are you going to facilitate that without Klaus and your striker who's um, adept at holding up play? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... That's one thing. Um, now teams have uh, that Minnesota footprint, also mm-hmm. Portland footprint, and Carnell has alluded about has talked about this before. Like he has mentioned, yeah, now teams have video on us and have been able to see what works, what doesn't work. But 
on our end, we will also make some adjustments. It's like a chess match and they made adjustments. We make adjustments. So St. Louis will bounce back and will be ready for Dallas. And I honestly think we're going to see something different uh, with the way um, we we position up front. Um, somebody's going to be with Joaquini on Saturday. Yeah. Can't, can't help but agree. And I think no matter who who that is, whether it's Celio Pompeu, Tomas Ostrak, Aziel Jackson, there, there are going to be keys that they can take away from Portland to better position themselves and, and better control the flow of play. So we mentioned that they had over 50% possession. That's something that Minnesota did very well with us. That's something Portland did very well with us. They conceded possession. They made City carry the ball up. They made City work their way through that low to mid block of a defense. And when you couple that with not winning the duels and not being able to win the tackle battle, you're talking about the the way that City starts off their attack and their transition so often not being there and not being there consistently and having to defend that kind of a way. So when when Portland was able to do this and and Portland is one of the better teams in direct speed play and then few passes per sequence they have an offense that's very similar to st louis and it's actually kind of polar opposite from what we'll see with dallas but it's very similar to what minnesota has and so the the key the key thing to remember with portland is that they were able to to mar our offense in some very intelligent ways while they play a similar offensive style so we're probably not going to see the same thing or the same capabilities out of dallas but knowing that two of our three losses came from teams that are very quick moving with the ball, they mm-hmm. passed the ball very few times, they were able to shut down our, uh, our ability to have quick transitions and, and lack of possession. Those are kind of the big red flags to me, more or less. And there aren't a lot of teams in MLS that are good at doing this, especially in the Western Conference. Um, I know... Ralph Salt Lake, LAFC, they're pretty decent at this direct speed, but there aren't a lot of teams that have so few passes per sequence like Portland and like Minnesota. So the optimist in me says that, yeah, maybe Portland, Minnesota figured it out, but a lot of other teams aren't built to be able to do that. You're going to run into problems naturally with LAFC, but aside from aside from the fact that Portland and Minnesota play a similar style, aside from the fact that Klaus and Blome weren't available and we had to have a different look to our offense that probably did not leverage the the personnel the way that they're strongest in. There's a lot to say about this might be the outlier at the end of the day, as opposed to how more teams are able to crack the code, so to speak. I'll be interested to see if we have whatever our formation looks like and our personnel against Dallas. I'll be interested to see if we're able to get back to our principles in, in this next match like we were against FC Cincinnati. Because coming off of uh, the Minnesota and Seattle games, that was the thing that I, I took away from those, is we were able to identify and get back to our principles against a team that is was one of the, and still is one of the best teams in the league. So we're good at bouncing back, at least in very small sample sizes. Can we be good at bouncing back from this game when it was almost universally panned as our worst game so far? Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was a good showing by City, but yeah, even with the small sample, um, I think the team will bounce back and leave this one behind, make the necessary adjustments, um, both defensively and offensively. And as you said, not every team plays 
the way Portland and Minnesota play. So I think the team the team will find a way. And at the same time, when it finds teams like this again, it will be ready and, and make adjustments. So before we go, Santi, let me give some uh, facts about this game. Let's talk about where we stand after this game going into next week. And, and then we'll uh, we'll close it out. So big congrats in this game. We touched on it earlier, but I don't think we gave it the, the spotlight it needed to be given. Celio Pompeu scores his first ever MLS goal in this match, something that he's been looking for for a while. He almost had his first goal as a city player last week. It was it was taken away as an own goal, but you know, huge congrats to Celio and and continues his ascent, so to speak, in this team. Yeah, it was a great it was great to see Celio scoring. Uh, when we did this last week, I was telling you that one of the things I was looking forward to was. Uh, Celio's first goal with the team so yeah it didn't happen at the Open Cup it happened a, a game later but uh, it's great to see him scoring and getting more minutes uh, he works really hard and um, when when he speaks to the media he says yeah I, I'll do I'll play any position the team wants me to play and that's that's a good that's good for Saturday because he will probably be in a position where he usually doesn't play. But it's great to see him. He 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 works so hard. He has worked so hard, and uh, finally see him on on the scoreline um, is great and great week for him with three assists against Union Omaha and then closing it out with a goal against uh, Portland Timbers. Too bad that um, Portland Timbers uh, score so quickly. But again, you have to. Uh, congratulate him and, and talk about the good the good things he did regardless of of the score against Portland absolutely and uh, to your point looking ahead at what this might mean he's mentioned that left wing back the right wing back left wing right wing striker versatility galore with Salio and and having a player like him in such good form is huge for St. Louis with that versatility it allows us kind of like an Edward Leuven does to to play around the lineup so much and Celio scoring his first MLS goal he kind of is emblematic there of the the wide range in which St. Louis can attack he becomes the ninth player to score for City SC in league play and the 11th different goal score across all competitions for City so far in addition City fielded its 11th different lineup like we said across all competitions so we are we are seeing a pretty decent uh first team emerge through 10 games um, and we have for the past few weeks, but it's interesting that the there's a, a little change here and there, whether it's formation or personnel or injury. So for all the consistency that we feel like we've had with some of our top uh, top line personnel, there has been those those nonstop changes occur. And then we, one player we haven't talked about uh, recorded his second assist tonight and has a point in four straight games now, Rasmus Alm. And he, he was available last week to the media, so it was exciting to see him uh, come through when he was talking about what he wanted to do and how he wanted to perform the excitement and passion that he has. He's another player like Salio who is very much in form and also, I guess, uh, not to discount him, he's in conversation too of a potential second striker, which we know he can play that position. Yeah, yeah, he has played in that position before, but it's great to see him. He was out two games with with injury and right off the bat he came back and has been involved in scoring um, the last four games so it's great to see his in form and he can be another option uh, for Saturday huge 
So ending the week, uh, St. Louis had gone into this week first in the West, and we end the week falling to second in the West behind Seattle. We have 19 points with a 6-3-1 record, six wins, three losses, one draw, because that's how MLS leverages it. Uh, We have 22 goals, 10 goal differential, plus 10 goal differential on the year. We are now currently 3-2 and at home with two losses. On the road, as we look for the next couple of weeks, we're 3-1-1. and uh, we go to uh, Dallas or Frisco, Texas next week and the Chicago Fire the week after for a couple matches, one of those in league play. Portland on the other side rises up to eighth with 11 points. They have a 3-5-2 and two record now with 13 goals and a minus three goal differential. But the big thing for these two teams is that it's only, I guess it's May 1st now as we're recording this, but these two teams are done playing each other for the year, which is kind of a wild thing to keep in mind. The next time they might play could be the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's way, way too early. Way yeah. too early to talk about playoffs. Yeah, long way uh, to the playoffs. But um, yeah, maybe we'll see a third game between Portland and and St. Louis. Um, as we said, rare occurrence teams um, meeting twice so early. Just thinking about playoffs, it will have been to have that edge of getting six, po- six points against Portland. But uh, yeah. but City will find those three points somewhere else. And um off to May, just get ready for Dallas and visiting Chicago twice. And um, end of the month, um, City plays LAFC. So it's a huge month. Uh, we have, we mentioned those three. I think we also have Vancouver and Sporting mm-hmm. Kansas City in the mix with there. So our next match at City Park is, in fact, against Sporting Kansas City with a uh, first, second team doubleheader as we host Sporting on the 20th and we host Sporting KC2 on the 21st with City 2. So there's a lot to look forward to, but I think where we are now, there's, you know, there's some natural angst among the fan base about the way that we performed in this match. And like we said, that one win, three loss, one draw in the past five games, markedly different than our first five. But at the same time, we look to get Klaus back here pretty soon, maybe not for FC Dallas, but here soon. So there's a, there's a lot to say about these games being viewed in isolation to me and our ability to bounce back. There's a lot of exciting things still going on and a lot of players like a Pompeu, like an Alm, who are in really great form that that we want to see more of that going forward. So anything you have left for us on this one, Santi? Yeah, no, just a message to our listeners. Don't freak out. Um, it's it's a process. It's a long season and the team will will bounce back. No no reason to, to worry about uh, the, what happened in April. Yeah, it wasn't as spectacular as February and March, but um, teams go through uh, the good and the bad, and there is always a, a stretch of bad games, and hopefully this was that, this was that stretch for CDSC. Yeah, and we knew this was going to be a tough month, right? We knew we had the the Portland's always tough, so don't don't discount them for a second, regardless of where they are in the standings. April, in and of itself, had the three game dreaded stretch of Minnesota, Seattle, Cincinnati. It it had us going to the altitude with Colorado. It had us facing a rejuvenated, as Carnell said, Portland team. So there's a lot to say too about this month in general being one of the hardest months that we'll have as we turn the page going into May. So I think agreed. Tons to look forward to. Nah, there's there's not a lot of reason to be too angsty about where St. Louis sits now. A lot of excitement as we look to turn the page going into May. And with all that, I'm Matt Baker. This is Santiago Beltran. We're going to let you go for Flyover Fallout this week. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao.